0: Alright. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. Hear now the words of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. So I'm sitting in my office one particular day. And you know anything about our old office space there on South Main. It's a storefront. It's got huge windows on the front of this storefront office space. And my office in particular, it's a loft that you have to walk up these metal spiral steps. Uh, and it's got a huge window uh, for, for a wall, essentially. And so I can sit at my desk and I have a perfect view of the street. And so I'm sitting at my desk one particular day... And I see it pull up. It is this long, white, beautiful Cadillac Escalade. It's got Indiana license plates. And when I see those blue Indiana license plates, I know exactly who that is. He opens the driver's side door and he steps out of the door. Guess who it is? It's Zach Randolph, Zeebo himself. And so, you know, the first thing I do is I have to suppress the inner groupie in me. Um, But that didn't work. So I leap up from my desk, I run down the metal stairwell, and I push open the front door of the office. And then I had to suppress the inner groupie in me again. And I said to Zeebo, what's up, Zeebo? And Zeebo looked back at me, and he said, what's up? And I walked back in the office. <laughs> at that moment, I was starstruck. I, I, was, I was starstruck. And so our office space is literally right next door uh, to a celebrity barbershop. I've been in that barber shop and sat next to OJ Mayo while he's getting chopped. Uh Tony Allen has been on his cell phone in front of the barbershop. And you learn something about these guys. You you kinda learn about their personality. Zebo, he's he's laid back. You know, he what's up? That's it. Jared Bayless is too cool for school. You know, he just kinda he'll glance at you and keep rolling. Um, Tony Allen, he is a free spirit. I remember one time, Tony Allen was in the front of the office, he's just talking on the cell phone, he's giving people, uh, he's waving at people as they're driving by and honking at him, dapping people, standing on, on the street, he's a free spirit, but these guys, when they show up, it's crazy, you know, I, I, I got this groupie in me and I don't know what to do about it, and I chase them, and I ask them for autographs at times. Um, don't tell anybody else that. But the interesting thing is, when Zach Randolph shows up, you know, I feel good about it. And and it's pretty cool and I love that kind of experience. But when Zach Randolph shows up, he leaves and I go back to work. I'm the same as I was before he came. I'm the same person. There's there's not much that has changed about me. But when we look at this text this morning, what we're going to see is when Jesus shows up, when God shows up, things change. Things change. You will not just be the same old person. When God shows up, things change. But what I want to show you this morning in our text is three ideas I want to put before you. I want you to see that when God shows up, the work He does in and through you and I will be His doing. Secondly, when God shows up, we ought to be reminded of His work in the past without doubting. And lastly, when God shows up, there ought to be a response from us. There ought to be a response from us. I want to speak from the subject, when God shows up. But before we go to work, let's pray. Father, thank You. For this time that we're spending together, Lord. um, Father, I just pray that you would just be present as you already are. Father, thank you for being present in worship. Thank you for being present in corporate prayer and repentance. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would be present in this time of preaching through your word. Father, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us, God? Would you challenge us? Would You grow us? Father, would You build us up by the power of Your Word, the power of Your Spirit, O God? Living God, I pray that You would just be here with us to transform us and to call us to Yourself. Lord, I pray that You would move me aside. Father, that You would allow me to decrease, that You may increase in this place. Lord, downtown church needs to hear a word from you. So would you speak, oh God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I love this story. Um, let's, be, let's, let's just be clear about what's happening in our text. Uh, this is nothing short of a miracle. And I want to say that up front. And you can debate you know, all the scientific possibilities and all that stuff. But miracles are not necessarily to be explained. They're to be embraced. Miracles are to be savored. This is a miracle. There's no doubt about it. And one of the key things that we have to notice here is there are two narratives that are sandwiched together. And last week we heard about the narrative of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist. We heard about that narrative. But then we have this week the narrative of Mary, of Joseph, and of Jesus as well. These narratives are sandwiched together and there are some similarities, but they're mostly different. The similarities is that the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him that his wife is going to have a baby. He doesn't necessarily believe her, but it actually happens. He tells her that John the Baptist would be great in the sight of the Lord. But then we see our story and uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a baby. And this baby will be called Jesus and He will be great. See, one of the things we have to get here is that Jesus is the greater John the Baptist. John the Baptist will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be used to prepare the way. But don't be mistaken, Jesus is the greater John the Baptist. And what we see here is we see the way prepared through the miracle of this elderly woman becoming pregnant in Elizabeth. But the way is prepared for Mary, who there is no uh, the natural conception here with the story of Mary. There is a virgin birth, which tells us that Jesus is the greater John the Baptist. One of the beautiful elements of this story is when God shows up, the work He does in and through you and I will be His doing. When God shows up, the work that will happen in and through you and me uh, will be the work of God. This gives me hope this morning. Why? Because I don't have to be good enough to experience the work of God. And this tells me that the idea that Mary was such a better person than you or me is false. That's not the idea that we get here. Look at verse 28 with me. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, oh, get this, favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary, understandably so, she's a bit afraid, and the angel Gabriel tells her, Don't you be afraid. Then notice verse 30. The angel said to Mary for a second time, Do not be afraid, Mary, forget this, you have found favor with God. Translation, Mary, what I'm about to share with you, what God's about to do through you, this isn't because of your own doing, Mary. Mary, what I'm about to tell you and what I'm about to share with you, you could not accomplish on your own. Why? Because God has found favor with you, Mary. And the idea behind that is that Mary was a person in need of grace. She needed favor to get where God was going to take her. She needed favor. She needed grace. This is not something that she could accomplish on her own. The angel Gabriel is letting Mary know, Mary, this is not upon your own merit that this will happen. Downtown, don't miss this, because that's good news for you and I. Because so many of us, over and over again, we try to conjure up the work of God in our life by being better. So many of us, we, we have uh, the, the, the biblical knowledge that, that God is not going to accept us for being good, but practically, we don't have that knowledge. Over and over again, we try to work ourselves into good graces with God. And what the story of Mary tells us is, you cannot work yourself into good graces with God It will only be by His favor. And what the blessing is, is that all of us are in need of it. (laughs) All of us are in need of grace. And the only way Mary gets to the point that she gets to is because God has found favor with her. This is not her own doing see, some of our friends, some of our Catholic friends may stop at Mary because they they think she's so good, and they begin to worship Mary. And the Bible clearly tells us that God found favor. God sent the angel Gabriel to her, and God found favor. It was was His doing. It was not the doing of Mary. God found favor with her. It's not her own doing. Look at it this way. there's a famous rapper, Kanye West, right? Um, this guy is probably the most narcissistic guy I've ever heard of in my entire life. Um, he thinks so highly of himself. Uh, he says of himself uh, that he is a Steve Jobs and a Walt Disney combined. He says that of himself. Um, recently, he he made remarks uh, about the late Nelson Mandela. He said, I am the next Nelson Mandela. He said, he, he didn't do anything but spent a few years in, in prison. Um, he freed a few people. I'm the next Nelson Mandela. You, this guy thinks so highly of himself. Makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, and he's not even that good of a rapper. Let's just put that out there as well. But this guy thinks all that he has, he has accomplished on his own. Don't miss this. He has this idea implanted in his mind that he's got the wealth and he's got status. He's got fame. He's got success because of what he has done, because of how great he is. And I would say to Kanye West, I don't care how much money or success you gain, it is not because of your own intellect, Kanye. It's because God gave it to you. And that's the story here. That's the idea that we see here. And the temptation for us is to, to see ourselves as making ourselves, getting into the good graces of God by being better. That's not the idea that Mary's story gives us. It's definitely worth mentioning the significance of some of the language here. There are very intentional statements here in our text. In verse 32, look at that with me. It says, He will be called the Son of the Most High. Gabriel continues by saying, in verse 32, And the Lord God will give to him the throne, get this, of his father David. Also in verse 33 Gabriel says and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. All of those statements he'll be called the son of the most high he'll have the throne of his father David he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will be forever. All of those statements point to Jesus as not just being a baby but being, get this, Messiah all of those statements says that Jesus is not just a man but he is God, he is God all by himself that he is Messiah, that he is Savior, that he is Emmanuel, that he is the one who they anticipated to come in the first century. All of those statements says that Jesus is not just a good messenger. He's not just a good prophet as some would call him. All of those statements tell us that Jesus is not just a good man, but he is Messiah. And what does that mean for us today? The reality that Jesus is not just a man, but He is Messiah means that He ought to be ruler. He ought to be ruler of our lives. He ought to have complete control because He is not just a man, but He is Messiah. The angel Gabriel is laying a bombshell on Mary. He's laying a bombshell on Mary saying she is going to have this baby even though she is a virgin. And Mary's response is naturally, how in the world is this going to happen? How in the world when I'm a virgin? And I love Gabriel's response. Get this. Gabriel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. How will Mary conceive a child as a virgin? It will be the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. Because in our conservative evangelicalism, and I've said this before, we so like to devalue the power of the Holy Spirit. But what Mary's story tells us is without the Holy Spirit, there is no Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sin. And without forgiveness of sin, you and I get what we deserve. And so more and more, we ought to have this posture and attitude of, Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we depend on you. Holy Spirit, we see Your value. We, we long for Your movement upon our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Why? Because the reason why we can experience forgiveness of sins, the reason why Jesus could die and raise from the dead, is because the Holy Spirit gave Him to us. The Holy Spirit. We need to, we need to value the Holy Spirit. Secondly, when God shows up, we ought to remind ourselves of His work in the past. When God shows up and things things seem a little difficult, they seem a little hard to believe, we ought to remind ourselves of His work in the past. Look at verse 36 with me. The angel Gabriel gives Mary the news of Elizabeth in her own age, conceiving a child along with Zechariah. Gabriel uses the conception of... Of John the Baptist to make the message to Mary more believable. He says to Mary, look how God has already moved. Your own relative has conceived a baby in her old age. Do you, do you see the miracle in that? And he's affirming what he's about to do and what he's already told her God is about to do through her. Gabriel uses Elizabeth's shock He uses her disbelief to show Mary that God is able. That He's an able God. And I would dare say that just as God is using the story of Elizabeth in the life of Mary, God wants to use your story in others' lives as well. God wants to use the story of the miscarriage in somebody else's life. God wants to use the story of, of the heartbreak of adoption and maybe it not working out or the joys and the hard part of foster parenting. He wants to use that story in the life of others. Maybe God wants to use the story of the broken marriage in somebody else's life. The broken relationship in somebody else's life. God wants to use the story. And maybe that person is questioning whether God is able and they need to hear your story. Maybe maybe they're looking for freedom from an addiction or some type of enslavement or bondage to sin and, and you've been through that same thing. Maybe somebody needs to hear your story. Imagine how much harder it would have been to believe for Mary if, if Elizabeth hadn't come before her. And so the angel Gabriel said, I know this is going to be hard to believe. I know that you are a virgin. I know that this is out of this world. But look at your relative. Look at what God has done in her life. Don't you think He can do it in yours too? He says, remember what God has already done when God is moving, it seems like we're out, of, we're out of His league. We ought to remind ourselves of how He's been at work in the past. Look at what the angel Gabriel says in verse 37. Look at this, I love this. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, that statement is a quote from Genesis 18. Uh, it's the story of Abraham and Sarah. And of course, Abraham and Sarah are really old. Uh, and the Lord comes to, to Abraham and tells him that your wife is going to have a baby. And his wife is dirt old. I mean, she is old. There is no way that she's going to have a baby. And uh, she hears, Sarah overhears, and she laughs. And the, uh, the Lord says to, to Abram, um, Why are you laughing? Or why is she laughing? He says, nothing is impossible with God. The Lord said to Abram, is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me just pause here and say this for a second. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there something in your life that you imagine to be too hard for God? Is there something that you have been anticipating God doing in your heart, in your life, maybe in a relationship, maybe even in your finances? I would say to you, like the Lord said to Abram that day about his, about his wife Sarah becoming pregnant, is there anything too hard for him? Nothing is impossible with God. Is there anything too hard for him? so easy to forget how God has shown up in, in the life of others. And it's so easy to forget that He will do the same for us, especially when we're in difficult places. I remember when I was in college, um, I got uh, a car when I was a junior in college. And that same academic year, um, and I was driving in the city, a little small town, and I, I, I hit this car. I had an accident. And I was so distraught. Um, and before I even called the police, first person I called was Mama. I called my mom And I was crying on the phone. And I was telling her. Man, and it wasn't even the car. It wasn't even the damages were, you know, they could be fixed. Um, and I wasn't hurt. I felt fine. Um, but I was just thinking in the back of my mind how in the world am I going to get this car fixed because I don't have a $500 deductible just laying around. And so that just hit me and it was overwhelming and I was calling to her and I was talking to her as I'm sitting waiting for the police to come because I knew somebody else had probably already called. And uh, and I was talking to her and telling her that I don't know how, I know you don't have any money and I don't have any money and I don't know how. And she stopped me. She said, are you Okay. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I, I, I feel perfectly fine. And she, then she said, how did you get the car in the first place? You didn't have the money to get the car in the first place. And she reminded me that the car belonged to the Lord and the reason I got it was because of Him. And she reminded me that couldn't He provide again like He did before? And that's the idea here in this text is the, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, look at what happened with your relative. Don't you think God is still able? And that's a message for some of us. Maybe you're going through a hard time. The message to us this morning is, don't you think that your God is still able? If He has provided before, if He's made a way before out of no way, if He's paid the bill before, don't you think that your God is able? He got you through the classes before. He he got you through the heartbreak of a relationship before. Don't you think your God is able? He got you through the loneliness before. He got you through the depression before. Don't you think that your God is still able? Is there anything too hard for God? Nothing is impossible for Him. That's the message that Mary got in this text. She understood that nothing was too hard for her God, and she began to believe. She began... To trust Him like never before. He's the same God. Lastly, when God shows up, there ought to be a response from us. There ought to be a response. Mary got this confirmation when she went to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And they they are praising God and thanking God together. She got this confirmation and she knew that what was about to happen to her was real. Then starting in verse 46, I love this, Mary responds. She responds. And I read this over and over again because it was just a blessing to my soul. Mary responds and the first thing she says in verse 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. And I would imagine her saying if I was there, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul, my inner being, makes much of the Lord. It exalts Him. It lifts Him up. It makes Him bigger. Makes Him larger. My soul magnifies the Lord. That does not really sound like a frozen chosen person to me. Doesn't sound like a person who is afraid of being deemed charismatic. Doesn't sound like a person who is afraid of how people are going to look at her. It doesn't sound like a person that, you know, thinks that people are going to look at them as not being as intellectual. God moves in Mary's life. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. She responds with praise to the living God. My inner being magnifies the Lord. Look at verse 47. She says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My spirit rejoices in God my savior. What does that word savior means? It means God my deliverer. God my rescuer. And she's singing this song. She's declaring this song. My, my spirit magnifies my deliverer, my rescuer. She's not a frozen, chosen kind of person. She experiences the work of God, the move of God in her heart and her life, and she worships. She worships. Look at this and the rest of this portion of this chapter. I love how Mary identifies the character of God. In verse 49 she says, He is mighty. He is mighty. In verse 40 and 49 as well she says, His name is Holy She continues by saying, He is merciful to those who fear Him. Then she continues in verse 51. She says, He has shown strength or sovereignty or control. Verse 52, she says, He is a lover of the humble. He is a lover of the humble, the lowly, the subservient. He is a lover of them. And then in verse 51 and verse 52, she says, He brings down the proud. And then she says, He is a filler of the hungry. Do you see this character that, that Mary identifies with? She says, He fills the hungry. He is a lover of the humble. He is mighty. His name is holy. She worships. She she sees what God does in her life and she is propelled, she is provoked to, to worship the one true and living God. Are you living a life of worship? Are you seeing all that God is doing in your heart and in your life? Are you identifying with the good things that God's doing in your life and even the bad things that are happening in your world? Are you praising God for them? When I hear um, music like Justin Timberlake, The 2020 Experience, an amazing album. The album sold millions in a matter of weeks. When I hear John Legend's latest album. You know, a part of me just wants to dance, but that's not my spiritual gift. That's, That's not where the Lord has gifted me. Um... But there is, when I hear this amazing music, there is something in me that's moved. When I hear chords put together the right way, there's something in me that's moved by this music. And that, that's what's happening here. Mary sings this song of praise because she is moved by how God, how God has acted on her behalf. She's moved by how good her God has been to her. She's moved, get this, because Mary understands that nothing she has or will benefit from is because of her own doing. And she knows it. She knows that she doesn't deserve to experience what God is giving her, what God is doing through her. But when God shows up, In Mary's life, she is moved and she is provoked to worship Him. She identifies with His character. She says, God, You are my rescuer. God, You are my deliverer. Have you been moved to worship God? And Mary yields not just with her mouth. But Mary worships God and yields with her very life. The angel Gabriel comes to her and he says to her, this is what's going to happen, you're going to give birth to this child. And do you know, culturally speaking, what that meant for Mary? Do you know that she wouldn't be looked at as this virgin girl who was doing everything right? Do you know that she would be looked down upon? Because people wouldn't understand. But Mary yielded her very life to God, even if it didn't make sense. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. This morning I would just challenge you. What is your response when God shows up? Is it unthankfulness? What is your response when God moves on your behalf and in your life? And have you remembered all that God has done before? Or have you forgotten already? He is still God. He's real. He was born a miraculous birth. And He did that because He loved us. Not because we deserved it, but He did it because He loved us more than we could love ourselves. Because of that, Jesus came through a miraculous conception. And He lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death. He was buried and He was raised again on the third day. And He did that because He loved us. He did that because He cared for us. He did that because there was no other way to be reconciled to the Father, to be in right relationship with the Father. Have you received Him? Have you received Him It's not just a good man with good words, but as the Messiah, as the Lord of your life? Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are not just a man but that You are God. Father, thank You that no matter what happens in our lives, just like in the story of Mary, Lord, You are still in control. Father, thank You, God, this morning that there is nothing too hard for You. And Father, I pray that you would give us bold faith. That you would grow our faith, O God. That when asked the question, Is there anything too hard for God? Lord, the downtown church would be able to say, No, there is nothing too hard for Him. Father, I pray that we would believe in you no matter the circumstance. That we would trust, O God, that You are bigger than any circumstance that we face. Father, I pray that we would trust that You are bigger than any hardship we face. Father, I pray that we would trust that You are good enough for us. And even in this season of waiting on Your second coming, God, pray that we would be a people who wait diligently, but Father, I pray that we would be a people who declare of Your might, of Your goodness, of Your mercy, of Your love for us in this city. Lord, may that be true in our neighborhoods, that we declare of Your goodness, Your grace, and Your mercy. May it be true of our lives as we live on our jobs, Lord. Lord. That we declare of Your goodness, Your grace, and Your mercy. And Father, I pray that we would never get too prideful that we forget how You have already worked in our hearts and lives. That we would remember Your faithfulness to us, O God. And that we would daily come to You. That we would drink from the wells of the Gospel and be satisfied of Jesus. Lord, that's my hope and prayer. Now, God, I pray that You would bless these tithes and offerings that we're about to receive. Lord, I pray that You would multiply them like fish and loaves. Lord, that we would have impact on the city of Memphis for Your fame and for Your glory and not for the fame or glory of downtown church. And Lord, we'll be faithful to give You all the praise the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.